0: Everything by prayer and petition with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7. Thanks for joining us today. This is the hour of intercession. I'm Pastor Joseph Parker. We invite you to look with us in the Word of God to begin with in the book of the Gospel of Luke, Luke chapter 2, beginning at verse 1. At that time, the Roman Emperor Augustus decreed that a census should be taken throughout the Roman Empire. This was the first census taken when Quirinius was governor of Syria. All returned to their own ancestral towns to register for this census. And because Joseph was a descendant of King David, he had to go to Bethlehem in Judea, David's ancient home. He traveled there from the village of Nazareth in Galilee. He took with him Mary, to whom he was engaged, who was now expecting a child. And while they were there, the time came for her baby to be born. She gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no lodging available for them. That night, and you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth lying in a manger. Suddenly the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven, praising God and saying, Glory to God in highest heaven, and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. Then the angels, excuse me, when the angels had returned to heaven, The shepherds said to each other, Let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. They hurried to the village and found Mary and Joseph, and there was the baby lying in the manger. After seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angel had said to them about this child. All who heard the shepherds' story were astonished, but Mary kept all these things in her heart And thought about them often. The shepherds went back to their flocks, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen. It was just as the angels had told them. Verses 1 through 20, Luke chapter 2. Father, thank you once again for the wonderful, the blessed, the glorious, and grace filled stories of Christmas, the passages that tell us about the coming of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, as a baby so many years ago. And thank you for the strength, the encouragement, the edification, and the revival that happens in our hearts and our lives as we take time to read and meditate meditate on these wonderful and powerful stories. Anoint us afresh with the Spirit that would cause us to have a hunger to make time to spend much time in your Word throughout the Christmas season, reading and meditating on these powerful stories and insights that help us not only to know more about the coming of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, but how we too are to be faithful followers and disciples of our Lord and Savior, who is our King of kings and Lord of lords. Help us to follow you more and more faithfully with every passing day. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. Thank you again for listening to the Hour of Intercession. Our producer is Mark Ose. Mark is going to lead us in a word of prayer at this time. Dear Lord God in heaven, maker of heaven and earth, creator of the universe, and Lord of my life, Lord God, I worship you. I worship and adore you, and I want to honor you every day in every way, in thought, word, and deed. Lord God, please help me to do that today. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. And Lord, I pray that that would be the prayer of everyone who hears this broadcast today, especially during this Christmas season, that we would remember that. Uh, There would be no Christmas without you. In fact, without you, there would be nothing. And so, Lord God, help us to honor you, to uh, be a blessing to you, and to tell others about you uh, with every opportunity, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thank you. Thank you, Mark. And thank you again for being a part of our listening family. And as always, we do appreciate you listening in. We appreciate your prayers Uh, Please take time to pray daily for the ministry of the American Family Association and American Family Radio. We very much need your prayers and desire them. And so if you'll take that time on a daily basis, we would would genuinely appreciate that. Well, again, as always, as we look here in the Word of God here on the, the Hour of Intercession broadcast, one of our ongoing goals is to encourage you and to be God's vessel to inspire and strengthen you to be a diligent student of God's Word. You know, as we've been looking at the Christmas narratives, and of course, narrative is just a fancy word, you might say, for reading or story. But as we look at the Christmas stories as found in Matthew chapters 1 and 2 and Luke chapters 1 and 2, on an ongoing basis, we're encouraging you and your family to take time to read through these powerful narratives or stories throughout the Christmas season, now, keep in mind, it's it's encouraging spiritually to do so. It helps you grow in your understanding of the message, the meaning behind the truths of the story of Christmas. You'll grow closer to the Lord and grow strong in the Lord. And yes, there is a warm, fuzzy feeling that may come as you take time to read these beautiful and powerful stories. But remember this as well, it's warfare. When you read and meditate on the powerful stories of Christmas, you're equipping yourself to be a better equipped warrior in the, in the world and in the kingdom of God. There's so much insight for all of us as believers that will help us, not just during the Christmas season, but throughout our lives as we look at and learn from the faith and the courage and the grace, working in and around the lives of people who make up the Christmas story. So today we're specifically looking at a topic that, again, we hope we find it encouraging and uplifting, But also very practical, because it's important that every day of our lives, our goal is to walk with God, to listen to God, to obey God. And, you know, throughout the Christmas story, those are important truths that were at work, because a huge part of the stories of Christmas is obedience. Servants who heard God's word and obeyed him. They heard God's Word and trusted Him. Even when it was difficult to trust, they trusted Him anyhow. And so as we look at the passages we'll be looking at, specifically our focus today is we're looking at the topic, the ministry of the Holy Spirit and angels at Christmas. Again, the ministry of the Holy Spirit and angels at Christmas. And so we're going to start, we're actually going to be moving around a little bit, but we want to start specifically in the Gospel of Luke chapter Uh, chapter 1. And as we look in Luke chapter 1, we're starting by looking largely at the work and the ministry of the Holy Spirit here. So we invite you to look with us specifically Luke chapter 1, picking up at verse 26. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. Mary asked the angel, but how can this happen? I am a virgin. The angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby to be born will be holy and will be called the Son of God. What's more, Your relative Elizabeth will become pregnant in her old age. People used to say she was barren, but she has conceived a son and is now in her sixth month. For the word of God will never fail. For the word of God will never fail. Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true and then the angel left her. That was verses uh, 26 through 38. And uh, we'll come back and pick up uh, after that. But again, as we're looking today at the topic, the ministry of the Holy Spirit and angels at Christmas, uh, we're starting by kind of looking and focusing largely on the work of the Holy Spirit. Now, keep in mind, angels and the Holy Spirit work hand in hand. And now one wants to think, well, why does the Lord choose to use the Holy Spirit and angels to do his work? Why doesn't he just use one or the other? Well, that's probably one of those questions you want to ask the Lord when you get to heaven. Be sure you get there. But the fact is, I don't know the answer to that question, but God will choose to use the... Now, understand this. The Holy Spirit is has many titles, and every title of the Holy Spirit is a powerful one. And every title of the Holy Spirit is worth doing a Bible study on. Some of the names of the Holy Spirit uh, are the hand of God, the anointing of God, uh, the comforter, the counselor. Uh, The Holy Spirit is a fire. He's a river. He's a fountain. And uh, the list can go on. There are a number of titles and names, and every one of them is powerful and worth doing Bible study on in and of itself. And so, but understand this, God does everything. God does all the things he does by his hand, who is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the power of God. And so here, as we look in Luke chapter 1, we see the powerful story of when Gabriel comes to, uh, into the presence of Mary and visits her in her home and brings a message. Now, keep in mind, in the Christmas story, there are a lot of angels at work. However, the stories don't actually tell us how many angels it is. Now, in Luke chapter 2, when the uh, initially one angel talks to the shepherds, and then after that, then there's a host of angels. The word host will typically refer to an army. So there were lots and lots of angels there. But, you know, throughout the Christmas story, there's only one angel's name that we know, and that's Gabriel. And amongst other things, Gabriel is... Uh, an announcing angel, he brings important information and or announcements when he comes. And in this case, that's exactly what's going on. He comes to make a very important announcement to a young virgin by the name of Mary. So it specifically says in verse 26, it says, In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee. Now, an interesting truth about the Gospel of Luke is that, keep in mind, Luke Obviously, he's a very gifted writer, but Luke is also a physician. And Luke does very interestingly include details that typically expecting moms might be mindful of, but also a doctor. And, of course, Luke is a doctor. So he specifically points out that he says in verse 26, in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy. So in other words, when Gabriel comes to see Mary, Elizabeth is six months along in her pregnancy. And of course, Gabriel tells Mary also not only that she, yes, Gabriel lets her know she is going to be the mother of the Messiah, the long-awaited Messiah, the Messiah that the Jewish people have been looking for for centuries, for many, many, many years. And it's time for him to come and that she would bear the Messiah. What an honor it was. What a great responsibility it was as well. And so... But of course the messiah would come in a non-traditional way in other words he wouldn't be fathered by a physical father on earth but the holy spirit was to did overshadow her and god impregnated her and made her to where again she's pregnant now carrying a child not having known a man physically in the physical sense so we'll pick up there on the other side you're listening to the hour of intercession as we're looking today at the topic The Ministry of the Holy Spirit and Angels at Christmas. We'll be right back. Joy to the world, the Lord has come. Let earth receive a key. Mercy me with joy. Thanks for listening to the Hour of Intercession here on American Family Radio. Today we're looking at the topic, the ministry of the Holy Spirit and angels at Christmas. And we've been looking in Luke chapter 1. And here again we were looking specifically at the passage, picking up at verse 26, where the angel Gabriel comes to bring uh, a virgin by the name of Mary, a very special announcement He let her know that she would be the mother of the long-awaited Messiah of the Jewish people, and he lets her know that the Holy Spirit would overshadow her and that the baby to be born would be holy and will be called the Son of God, and that's how she would uh, become the expecting mother of the Messiah. And so immediately Mary is excited about it. At the same time, obviously she has does have some questions and she asks uh, a question or two of Gabriel and Gabriel responds. And keep in mind, she's a young girl, a young virgin who loves the Lord and is serving the Lord. And her response in verse 38 is a very important one. She says in verse 38, after Gabriel has responded to her questions, she says, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you've said about me come true. And then the angel left her. Remember this, the Bible has many promises in the Word of God, and we're wise to, as believers, learn the promises of God's Word, speak them, and stand on them. Speaking the promises of God over your life is a very important part of living the Christian life and a very important part of doing spiritual warfare. Again, reading the Bible is extremely important, but also speaking the Bible, speaking the Word of God is very, very important as well. Our words matter. The Bible tells us in the book of Proverbs, chapter 18, verse 21, death and life are in the power of the tongue. So if you want to speak words of life, quote the Word of God. Confess the Word of God. Stand on the promises of God's Word. That's how you speak life in your life and over your life, over your family, over your children. Don't contradict God's Word. Don't speak against God's Word. Even if in if you're in a situation where you see a promise in God's Word, but you don't quite feel like you believe it, well, it's better to say nothing than to contradict it. Just like in Psalm, Psalm 1, it tells us, amongst other things, speaking of God's servants, it says, whatever he does prospers. Well, a wise thing for you today to do is to say, well, if God's word says, whatever I do prospers, I agree. Whatever I do prospers. Now, the devil will try to tell you, you're lying to yourself. You know that you fall flat on your face with a lot of things you try. no. Speak the truths of God's Word, and it more and more brings those truths to come to pass in your life. You're never wrong to agree with God. But if you contradict God's Word, that's not wise. You're going against truth. You don't want to do that. One of the reasons why that's important, too, is because also the angels of God are always listening for your words. And part of their assignment is to carry out the Word and the will of God in your life as you stand on the Word of God and agree with it. So if you speak words that are contrary to the promises of God's Word, you can cause yourself to stumble and you can shut down the work of God's angels at work in your life. So we're going to talk about how that relates to the Christmas story further. But keep in mind, again, one of the practical messages that you can draw from the Christmas story is, again, don't contradict God's Word. You see where Mary agreed with God? And remember, again, let me read again her response because it's so powerful and practical as well. Again, verse 38, Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. And then the angel left her. So again, she's now at that this point in the powerful story. She's carrying the Messiah. She's pregnant, carrying the Messiah, the King of kings and Lord of lords. And what a mystery there is behind that. The creator of the universe, the God of the universe becomes a little baby in the womb of one of his creations. What a mystery, what a powerful truth to consider there. Again, yes, your faith and your words affect the work and the will of God. Earlier in the same chapter, an important uh, incident happens in the life of Zechariah, the father of John the Baptist. The same angel, Gabriel, approaches uh, approaches him and lets him know that he would be the father of John the Baptist who would be the forerunner of Christ. And when, Ze- when Gabriel arrives on the scene, again, it's a powerful, powerful scene. I want you to pick up here, Luke one, picking up at verse five. When Herod was king in Judea, there was a Jewish priest named Zechariah. He was a member of the priestly order of Abijah and his wife Elizabeth was also from the priestly line of Aaron. Zechariah and Elizabeth were righteous in God's eyes careful to obey all of the Lord's commandments and regulations. They had no children because Elizabeth was unable to conceive, and they were both very old. One day Zechariah was Zechariah was serving God in the temple, for his order was on duty that week. And as was the custom of the priests, he was chosen by lot to enter the sanctuary of the Lord and burn incense. While the incense was being burned, a great crowd stood outside praying. While Zechariah was in the sanctuary, an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing to the right of the incense altar. Zechariah was shaken and overwhelmed with fear when he saw him. But the angel said, Don't be afraid, Zechariah. God has heard your prayer. Your wife Elizabeth will give you a son, and you are to name him John. You will have great joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth. Zechariah said to the angel, How can I be sure this will happen? I am an old man now, and my wife is also well along in years. Now let me stop for just a minute in the reading. Keep in mind, as the passage begins in verse 5, we see here uh, Zechariah is appointed to do duty in the temple. And he's in there. um, He's the only priest in there at that time. And of course, Gabriel appears in the temple with him and Gabriel brings some good news and if you can picture Zachariah after he gets over being startled and fearful at the sight of an angel uh, Gabriel begins to talk to him and let his, lets him know what's about to happen but then note what takes place and, and let me say this too Gabriel seems excited about the news he's bringing to Zechariah. but it appears Gabriel's tone changes really quickly after Zechariah says what he says. Because in verse 18, it says, Zechariah said to the angel, how can I be sure this will happen? I am an old man now, and my wife is also well along in years. It appears that Zechariah seems to feel like he needs to give Gabriel a biology lesson. Letting him know you're a little bit late, you know, I'm kind of old and so is my wife. And note, Gabriel's tone does seem to change. Now you might say, well, are angels emotional? I expect angels are as if not more emotional than people. But I don't I don't know for sure, but it does appear that his tone changes pretty quickly. Notice how he responds to what Zechariah says. In verse 19 he says, "I am Gabriel." Now, that's the first time he tells him his name. <laughs> "I am Gabriel," and let and he goes on to tell him what just who he as Gabriel, the angel of God is. I stand in the very presence of God. In other words, as Gabriel begins to talk to him at this point, he's it's, it appears Gabriel is not too happy with Zechariah and not too happy with his response. And it appears to be a number of times in Scripture, it appears that angels are baffled at the idea that people would not believe the Word of God. They seem to be dumbfounded at the thought that, why in the world would you not believe what God has said? And you know, that's a very good question because God's Word can be trusted in every circumstance and in every situation. But Gabriel decide Gabriel here, he helps Zachariah out because Zachariah's words sound like faithless words, weak or faithless words. And Zach here in this case, Gabriel does not want to let Zachariah mess things up. And so he basically lets him there. Now keep in mind, Angels don't just do whatever they want. They act in line with the Word and the Holy Spirit. They follow the Holy Spirit completely. So it's not like Gabriel did this all on his own. He did it in line with the will of God. But Gabriel just let Zechariah know, I'm going to shut you up. You won't be able to say a word till after John the Baptist has gotten here. Why would Gabriel do that? Again, as we were saying earlier, our words of faith can do good or can they, do, they can do damage. Remember, our words are powerful. The Word of God tells us again, Proverbs 18, 21, death and life are in the power of the tongue. If you don't agree with the Word of God, it's better to say nothing than to disagree with God's Word. As Zechariah questions God's ability or questions his being able to carry out what he has just said, again, Gabriel helps him out. He shuts him up. So that way, Zechariah can't mess up what God is doing in the situation. Can we uh, hinder the work of God by the words we speak? Every day of our lives we can. Our job is to hear God's word and agree with it and speak the word and stand on it. And the Holy Spirit and the angels of God will affirm that. But an angel can be carrying out the work of God in the life of a believer and be stopped in his tracks if a believer speaks against the Word of God or contradicts or disagrees with God's Word. Again, our job is to agree with God's Word and to stand on God's Word. Our job is to believe that God can do His job, hear His Word and obey His Word, speak on His Word, stand on His Word as well. Father, thank you for the opportunity for us to live life in cooperation with you, with your Word and your Holy Spirit, anoint us afresh with the Spirit of grace, Help us to be wise enough to know that every day is a day to spend much time in your Word, feeding our faith and growing in faith as we spend time one-on-one with you, reading and meditating on your Word. But help us to know also, Lord, that our job is to not only read and meditate on the Word of God, but to speak the Word of God throughout the day, to speak the promises of God, knowing that that mobilizes your grace and your angels to work on our behalf. That allows the Spirit of God to pour grace into a situation that we're walking through, whatever that situation might be. Help us to be wise and strategic in the way we read your word, speak your word, and stand on your word. We thank you and we praise you. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. Well, and so, of course, if you go on to read in Luke chapter 2, you find out uh, Zechariah does get his voice back a little while after John the Baptist is born. And so Zechariah doesn't have the opportunity to mess it up with his words He, again, Gabriel has shut him up until that time, and so John the Baptist is born on time and correctly, and that worked out. But again, keep in mind, important lessons to be drawn from this is our job is to read the Word of God and agree with the Word of God and stand on the Word of God and speak the promises of God's Word as well. Father, anoint us afresh with the Spirit of grace that would cause us to have a growing hunger to fill our hearts and our minds with your Word, and help us to be much more faithful hearers and doers of your word. Help us to live a life of cooperation with the Holy Spirit all the time. And help us to know, Lord, too, that as we hear your word and obey your word, obedience to your word builds the kingdom of God. Obedience to your word releases your grace into the world. Help us to know, Lord, that our job is to fill our hearts with your word and to live it out and be vessels and, uh, means, and means whereby your grace can be poured into into the world. As you told us in your word, you told us to be good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Help us through our lives of obedience to be just that, good stewards of your manifold grace. We thank you. And we praise you. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. Well, as you look at the Christmas narrative, you find that in there are angels working in all of the four chapters we've alluded to. There's an angel that steps into Joseph's dream in Matthew chapter 1. And in Matthew chapter 2, we find that uh, the angel, an angel of God stepped into Joseph's dream a second time and a third time. In those two chapters, Joseph has four dreams and God gives him guidance. So one of the clear things we see angels doing time and time again throughout the Christmas story is giving clear guidance. God gives guidance and direction to Zechariah. He gives obviously guidance and direction to Mary. God gives guidance and direction to Joseph as well. So again, Joseph has four specific dreams. Three, The first three dreams, it mentions that an angel appeared in his dream and gave him guidance. The last dream doesn't mention an angel, but angels are at work in most of those dreams. We'll pick up there on the other side. You're listening to the Hour of Intercession as we're looking today at the topic, the ministry of the Holy Spirit and angels at Christmas. We'll be right back. angels singing Gloria. Thanks for listening to the Hour of Intercession here on American Family Radio. Today we're looking at the topic, the ministry of the Holy Spirit and angels at Christmas. And so we're looking at all of the four chapters that make up what we refer to as the traditional Christmas story, Matthew chapters 1 and 2 and Luke chapters 1 and 2. And we want to continue to encourage you, please take time throughout the Christmas season to read through them over and over and over again because the Holy Spirit will definitely teach you new insights and truths you didn't know about Christmas, but also it will stir you to become a better equipped disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ. There's so much wisdom, insight and empowerment found in these powerful stories that we refer to as the Christmas story. So please take time, you and your whole family, several times during the Christmas season. hope that you will take the time to do that. Picking up now, verse 39 going back to the instance of Mary and now now keep in mind again it appears that Gabriel it seems to be excited about bringing the news to Zechariah to begin with And earlier in chapter one looks like it gets a little bit perturbed after Zechariah doesn't seem to quite believe God's promise and again shuts Zechariah up for a time but it appears he's pretty pleased with Mary because Mary's response is an encouraging one and Her her response is, may everything you've said about me come true. Stand on the word, agree with the word. That's a wise approach. Picking up at verse 39 in Luke 1, it tells us, A few days later, Mary hurried to the hill country of Judea, to the town where Zechariah lived. She entered the house and greeted Elizabeth. At the sound of Mary's greeting, Elizabeth's child leaped within her, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Elizabeth gave a glad cry and exclaimed to Mary, God has blessed you above all women, and your child is blessed. Why am I so honored that the mother of my Lord should visit me? When I heard your greeting, the baby in my womb jumped for joy. You are blessed because you believed that the Lord would do what he said. Now, very interesting in this passage is, again, once again, the ministry and the work of the Holy Spirit working here. Here, after Mary learns that she would be the mother of the Messiah and that also that Elizabeth, her relative, is six months into her pregnancy carrying John the Baptist, she very quickly makes a trip to go and visit Elizabeth. And, you know, there's so many insights and truths behind this powerful passage. What a wonderful thing it was for two moms with unique pregnancies to come together To rejoice and worship God and serve God and just spend time fellowshipping. So much grace in this story. A young teenage mom and another mom that probably could be the age of her great grandmother, both of them expecting a child at the same time, fellowshipping one with another. But note something interesting that happens. When Mary arrives on the scene where Elizabeth is, the Holy Spirit does a, a very quick and powerful work. But of course, remember the Holy Spirit, He's God, He can do anything. Well, when Elizabeth hears the, the, the greeting of Mary, all of a sudden, many things happen all in a moment's time. Now, keep in mind, Elizabeth, prior to hearing Mary's greeting, probably knows nothing about the fact that Mary is the mother of the Messiah. But remember this, when the Holy Spirit touches her through the sound of Mary's voice, all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit downloads a whole lot of information and truths into into Elizabeth's mind all at once. She all of a sudden knows that's the voice of the mother of the Messiah you've been waiting for all these centuries. And she's come to visit you. And all of a sudden, Elizabeth is filled with the Holy Spirit. She knows that Mary is carrying the Messiah and she's excited at the prospect. And even John the Baptist, the baby inside Elizabeth, all of a sudden, even though he's a baby in the womb, he knows That's the voice of the mother of the Messiah. And even John the Baptist leaps for joy and worships God and praises God, even as a babe in the womb. Did you know that there are some things your spirit knows that your mind doesn't know? You know, many times your mind has to catch up with your spirit. Your spirit is much smarter than your mind. So the Holy Spirit inside you knows many things. Obviously, your born again spirit knows many things that your mind has to catch up with. All of a sudden, Elizabeth knows that Mary is the mother of the Messiah, and she's carrying the Messiah, and even John the Baptist is excited. And Elizabeth's words are, God has blessed you above all women, and your child is blessed. Why am I so honored that the mother of my Lord should visit me when I heard your greeting? The baby in my womb jumped for joy. You are blessed because you believe that the Lord would do what he said. Again, what a powerful scene. Uh, Again, even John the Baptist as a baby in the womb is excited at the voice of the mother carrying the Messiah, Uh, almost as if his first proclamation to the world uh, about being the forerunner of the Messiah is from his mother's womb. What a powerful thought. But also, Elizabeth too knows that it's not just a random kick from her baby. She knows it's a kick of joy. Because her little baby boy is excited like she is. The Messiah has come and she just heard the voice of the young mother of the Messiah. What a powerful, powerful picture here. Again, her words, you are blessed because you believe that the Lord would do what he said. Elizabeth is confirming and affirming Mary's faith. Mary quickly believed that God would do what he said. And she's now carrying the Messiah. Again, a powerful picture. Note what happens, and keep in mind, the Scripture very clearly points out that uh, John the Baptist, uh, Zachariah gets filled with the Holy Spirit before the end of this chapter. Elizabeth gets filled with the Holy Spirit before in this chapter. And even John the Baptist is filled with the Holy Spirit even in his mother's womb. You know, nothing's too hard for God. And what a powerful thing when you see the Holy Spirit doing many things all in one little instance. He does great work all the time. And what does that have to do with you and I? Well, you know, keep in mind, amongst other things, the Holy Spirit is a fire on the inside of us. And, you know, our job is to keep the fire of the Holy Spirit burning big and bright on the inside of us because we're much more productive vessels in the hands of the Holy Spirit when that's going on. How do we keep the fire of the Holy Spirit burning big and bright on the inside of us? One of the ways we do it is by getting into God's Word every day. When you spend time reading and meditating on the Word of God every day, that's fuel on the fire of the Holy Spirit. When you spend much time in prayer, that's fuel on the fire of the Holy Spirit. When you obey the Word and the will of God in your life, that's fuel on the fire of the Holy Spirit, and He'll burn bigger and bigger and brighter and brighter inside of us the more we simply follow and run after God. The question for you and I to ask is, how big does the fire burn within you or me? The goal is that he would burn brightly. Father, anoint us afresh with the Spirit of grace. Stir us to be a people that live in such a way that your Holy Spirit burns brightly in us every day. Help us to be believers and ambassadors for your kingdom that are on fire every day of the Holy Spirit so that every day our lives point the world powerfully and passionately to our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, letting the world know Jesus is the answer to everything. Help us to be about your business every day faithfully. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. Well, the final passage you want to look at here before we uh, run out of time here is Luke chapter 2. It's the story of how that uh, Jesus is born in Bethlehem, of course, and uh, Mary and Joseph have, have come to Bethlehem, and that's where Jesus is born. And then angels appear out on the fields in near Bethlehem, letting shepherds know that the Messiah has been born in the city nearby. And so what a powerful picture that we find there as well. Again, a picture. Now note too, it's shepherds that the Lord approaches and tells this news to. And interesting that God would use shepherds. You know, shepherds is a powerful theme throughout the word of God. Why would God choose to use shepherds to herald the news that the Messiah has been born? Well, again, the theme and the message of a shepherd is very important in Scripture. You know, as you look in the Bible, Abel was a shepherd. Um, Jacob and his sons were shepherds. Uh, Even Rachel was a shepherdess. Uh, Also, Moses was a shepherd. David was a shepherd. Jesus is our good and great shepherd. The question can be asked, why a shepherd? Well, apparently, the fact that Jesus, who is our great shepherd, there's a very important message. Again, we're sheep. We're sheep. And, you know, the reality is that's not necessarily a great compliment, but it's a statement of reality. We're sheep, and sheep need a shepherd. Sheep need a shepherd. And Jesus is our great shepherd who's more than sufficient to be the shepherd that we need him to be. Well, God uses shepherds in Luke chapter 2 to let Bethlehem, the Bethlehem community know. They go, they find the Messiah after getting the direction from the angels, letting them know the Messiah has been born. They go and find him. Then they tell many people, and people are wonderfully touched by the news of what they'd found, that the baby Jesus had been born. How tragic it is that it it doesn't appear that any of the people they talked to, though, got up and said, let me go find him too. I want to go see the Messiah as well. What a tragedy. The whole town, you would think, should have gotten up and said, let's go see him too. A question you you and I need to ask ourselves is, am I running to find the Messiah? Well, where do you find him? You can always find the Messiah in the Word of God. So may it be a goal for you every day of your life to run run to find and talk to and commune with and spend time with the Messiah, one-on-one with him every day in his precious word. Thank you, Lord, for the gift of your word. Thank you for how that your word guides us, molds us, shapes us, saves us, heals us, and does so much more. Stir us to be a people who are on fire of your Holy Spirit every day, living as faithful ambassadors, helping to gather up as many people as we can to take with us to heaven as we possibly can, simply by being faithful followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you, we praise you. In Jesus' name we do pray, amen. Thanks again for listening to the Hour of Intercession as we normally do before we end the broadcast. If you are listening today and you've never made the Lord Jesus Christ the Lord and Savior of your life, today is a great day to get saved. Today is a wonderful day to fully commit your heart and life to Him so that He will be your Lord and Savior and also so that you can spend eternity with the Lord in a wonderful place called heaven. If you'd like to make that step, would you now from your heart pray this prayer with me even now. Lord Jesus, thank you for loving me so much that you came into this world a long time ago. You lived. You died on the cross to pay for all my sins. Three days later, you rose up from the dead so that I could be saved. Lord, I confess, I've sinned and done wrong in many, many ways. Lord, I repent and I turn from all the wrong I've done. Forgive me, Lord, for all the wrong things I've done. Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Be the Lord and Savior of my life. In your word, you told us, whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Right now, Lord, I'm calling on your name. Lord, save me. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Help me to live my whole life following you. Help me to read your word every day. Help me to pray every day. Help me to obey and follow you every day. Thank you, Lord, for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, my email is joseph at afr.net. Again, that's joseph at afr.net. Please email us. We'd like to share with you some literature and some resources that will help you to begin to grow up and grow strong in your new walk with the Lord Jesus Christ. Please get in touch. We definitely want to hear from you. We'd like to get that information to you. Again, joseph at afr.net. And please be sure during this Christmas season to make time to read through Matthew chapters 1 and 2 and Luke chapters 1 and 2 all the way through with your family. It will bless your socks off and it will bless your celebration of Christmas this year and beyond. Thanks for listening. Join us again next time for the Hour of Intercession.